done. And, you know, I keep saying it's all hands on deck. And so it's brought us together. I feel that I've spoken to the principals more in the last six months since the pandemic hit than probably my first two years here at district level. And Juan Corona, welcome back. Uh, it's our second edition of the In This Together docuseries. We recorded the first one a little over two weeks ago, so not too long ago. Uh, and we're going to check in with you again to see where things are uh, in Maywood District 89, which again, for those listeners or viewers who maybe didn't see the first episode, that's right outside of Chicago um, in Illinois. Um, and so communities in your district have been hit harder by the pandemic than other nearby areas. Last time, uh, Maribel, you were talking about how uh, particularly some of the Latino and Afro-American um, demographics have been hit really hard. So ha- has that situation on the ground shifted at all since we since we last spoke? How are things going just kind of pandemic-wise, health-wise in the district? Right. Um, so it sounds like um, we're still in the same place, but luckily, um, as far as we know, only a few of our families have been hit. Um, as far as our staff, they've stayed healthy. Um, we have not been made aware of any of our students you know, contracting COVID-19, so that's all positive. But as far as the percentage of cases that we have in our town, in a proviso township area, it um, continues to remain um, pretty stagnant. And obviously the goal is to see that on a decline. Good, well, that's great news. I wanted to check in there because that is something that you all stressed last time. And of course, that's a concern for all of us, um, but great news that it's stable. Hopefully it'll stay that way and we'll be monitoring that as we uh, as we go through this and as you go through the, the school year. Um, so you all were, last time we spoke, I think what was really impressive about the conversation that I had with you last time and that really resonated with viewers and listeners um, is that you had put in together three separate plans, concrete, you know, uh, ready-to-go plans for remote, hybrid, and in-person learning. Um, you've had some, I know you've had some teacher PD over the last uh, few weeks because you're starting remotely. Um it's still really, really early, and I, I'm saying this to everyone as we get started, but how are things going so far? Did that, how did that PD work out? I know it's the first week. What's your sort of pulse of, in terms of what's going on in schools? Well, we did have our new teacher network start on August 14th, so that was three days. And then we had our teacher institute days for another three days. And so the energy was high, a lot of positive comments. Um, we were proactive and geared our professional learning sessions towards remote learning. I'm including SEL, technology, you know, our curriculum mapping to ensure that teachers knew what was expected. So that's gone really well. And we're happy to share that our students started this week on Monday. And so in the last five school days, we have distributed at least 2,500 devices, whether laptops or iPads. So we've had um, a lot of contact with our parent community, um, you know, some frustration with not knowing how to use a device, but not frustration or against us. It's more like in help. It has been all hands on deck uh, with uh, distribution of materials and uh, our devices. Uh, And it's great to see parents coming in advocating for um, troubleshooting and uh, learning how to log in. So it's great to see that everybody's uh, uh, pitching in. Yeah. Are you seeing more of that? I mean, I was reading somewhere uh, on a forum, you know, with teachers that some of these glitches that they're seeing with technology that are completely inevitable um, are actually becoming, I keep using the word silver linings, but they're becoming positives because uh, we're doing two things. One, they're allowing students and parents to kind of troubleshoot and learn on their own. And two, 
they're also uh, creating connections with somebody at the school that is then actually turning into a relationship. It sounds like that's what you're just getting at, Juan. Am I right there? That's right. Yeah, that's great. I mean, we have to look, and we'll get into your whole kind of having a positive attitude about this a little bit later, but you have to look at these things as opportunities to learn. And I know that your district, you know, you, you said last time that you pride yourselves uh, on the connections with your community. Um, you know, Juan, you were talking about you've been at a few other, I think a few other districts before, and, and they're all, you know, great in terms of community, but this seems to be a really special uh, place. Um, and one of your biggest concerns for both of you last time was sort of maintaining that uh, and really meeting the needs of families, which is obviously a huge important issue with meals, social emotional support, and technology. Um, how are things progressing on that front, Muddy Bell, from your um, vantage point as assistant superintendent? Um, so we're real happy to share that we have two parent meetings scheduled um, for September. So we're going to do our virtual open house. Again, um, we are making changes and revising like how we used to do open house in person to meet the needs of our families. We are anticipating what questions they might have. So that's part of our presentation. Um, in addition to the open house, which is going to be district-wide, we're going to have a Title I meeting where we are inviting parents. We invite everyone, but we're going to make that personal connection with our parents whose children have been identified as struggling learners. Um, because of you know, second language acquisition, may, many of our English language learners um, fall in that category. However, we have a plan in place and we are going to be reaching out to the parents so that they know how to support their children at home. Um, in addition to the open house and the Title I parent meeting, we're also planning to have technology parent workshops since we will be testing our K-1-2 students in person in very small group um, while the students are taking their tests. We're going to use that time to um, have like a workshop for our parents. Again, the focus is going to be technology, um, supporting your child at home, especially in those critical ages of kindergarten through second grade. So that's in the works. Um, so we're excited about that. Um, we have a meeting with our curriculum team to decide how math night is going to look, SEL night. Um, and so we're not going to discontinue what we know has worked for our district. It's just going to look different. Yeah, two two takeaways there. Uh, actually, one takeaway and one question. It seems like um, you know you're using these uh, meetings with the younger students uh, and their families as a way to kind of have a bit of a phased approach to bringing students back, at least in some capacity. Um, that seems to be the case in a lot of districts, whether they're sort of rural or urban districts, which is really nice. To give the you know these these safe opportunities to see kind of how it goes. Um, and the second thing that I wanted to ask you is follow up on that, Muddy Bell, was you you said that. Um, you were sort of anticipating some questions and going into those meetings, thinking about what you know parents might ask. I'm curious, what, what are you what are you anticipating? What what are like the top maybe two to three questions that you think they're going to be asking you? Um, how do I use the parent portal so that I can check grades? Because in the past, again, they were used to having that conversation after school with the teacher. Well, that's no longer the case. So I know that a lot of parents have asked, like, how do I access grades? And you know, it's through the parent portal, and we've had it for four years, but I guess they didn't have the need prior to this year. So that's one question. And then the other one would be, you know, how much time should I be spending um, or how much time should my child be spending doing that asynchronous um, instruction? Because that's when they feel that it's their turn or their opportunity to jump in and support their child. Um, so those have been the questions that we're anticipating, the two big ones. And then those are, those are the little ones that are more like, um, you know, based on the person, but those are like the big 
to across the district. Yeah, I could see those being important questions uh, to bring up and to be able to answer. And, and maybe, you know, again, another good thing about this is that maybe more folks are going to be using that parent portal that, as you mentioned, has been around for a while, but now is critically important as you uh, as you do these things remotely. Um, right. Have you, and maybe this is a question for you, Juan, uh, or Maribel, whoever wants to take it can, but have, have you all, uh, and again, it's very early, have you been able to identify sort of any learning gaps at this point, particularly for, for English learners as you go back to school? And is that what you're thinking about right now or are you thinking about other things? I think um, it's still too early. I think uh, one of our goals right now is for our teachers to form those relationships with our students, um, having uh, worked through um, the expectations, but also creating a structure. Uh, our students are logging into their devices. Uh, they're learning the protocols. Uh, so we know that's going to take time. Uh, so uh, the, the gaps are going to be, if they're there, they're going to be there, right? So first we want to address that social emotional need uh, and then build off of that and, and really strengthen those relationships with our students first. I think that's a, a fair way to look at it. And I sort of, it's, the question is a little bit of a setup. I kind of think I know what the answer is to most <laughs> questions, these questions, but especially this one. Um, but, you know, people, it's, it's funny because in the media and in the news, as you read, all you hear about is the COVID slide and the learning loss, not just among English learners. And that's real. Um, but what we're seeing really on the ground is people focusing on, as you mentioned, uh, the importance of building these relationships. I like that you mentioned putting in structures, um, even for something as well, it's not simple for something like using technology. I mean, uh, as a teacher myself, you know, one of the things I did that, uh, that I, that I think some, some of my uh, school leaders and evaluators appreciated and others maybe had no idea what I was doing, but it was here, we're going to use this new tech tool, take 10 minutes and just tinker with it, do whatever you want. You want to like, you know, uh, draw an airplane with it. If it's a drawing tool, I taught Spanish, go ahead. Like if you want to, you got to have time to kind of figure out how to use the things that you're using. And I feel like building relationships and going back to school in this way, uh, is, is, is important as well. And I think students and parents will appreciate that time to just, how are we going to do this? And then we'll get into the business of, you know, what we need to do. Um, Juan, another thing that you, and that maybe this is part of this, that you stressed last time, which I, I really, really liked, um, you know, I asked you, uh, you know, wh what do you think kind of the most important thing is in terms of thinking about best practices? Do best practices exist? It was a question that I asked last time. And you pointed to the importance of having a positive can-do attitude as a key factor in making progress. Um, you know, you pointed to your own child who's going into kindergarten and what you want for her. Uh, and you said, you know, you want to do the same for all the students that you have now there at Maywood. Um, and you said such an important thing is, is just having that positive attitude and really looking at things as they come and not getting occupied by uh, all of the, the challenges that, that we have. Um, how have you seen that play out both with you and, and maybe with the people that you're working with as we begin the school year? Well, you know, I, I've seen a very, um, a very clear all hands on deck attitude from our staff. Uh, some of them volunteering um, after their instructional window to come down and and help distribute devices, uh, meeting the parents, uh, which is great to see. It's not something that we say, oh, you come help us. They did it on their own. Uh, so it, it like an organic type of uh, let's help out. Your, the office is busy. We were busy, but let, let's work on this together. Um, and then district administrators going into uh, the buildings and supporting in any way that they can. Um, that's great to see. I, I would, I've been at two schools uh, working with them, 
uh, other administra uh, building administrators reaching out like, hey, what do you think about this? Um, and a lot of them, they know what to do. And I think it's um, just that reassurance, but it's they're, they wanna do what's right for their school, which is what we wanna see. Uh, so they're making decisions based on need, uh, with, which uh, it all comes down to supporting our families to support that instruction for our students. Um, and one technology piece that, that I love is our, our one of our, uh, our coordinators created a, like a guidance. So, uh, you know, we gave the devices and it's in English and Spanish on how to log in, where to go next, uh, you know, like a step-by-step. Uh, so we're looking at things on, on, instead of being challenged with our parents don't know how to log in, is here's some support. We're going to create videos for you. We're going to create, uh, you know, you can log in and you can follow the, the video. So we, we anticipate challenges, but because we're being positive, we have solutions already in place. Mm -hmm. And we but remind ourselves to be positive. <laughs> you have to. You have to. And you have to have people who are positive around you because that's contagious. Otherwise, you know, it's very easy to dwell on the negative. I mean, there's a lot of challenges. There's no doubt. So I, 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 do you, is your school or your schools, your teachers actually teaching from their classrooms remotely or do they have the option or are they all at home? No. So we wanted to give our teachers the opportunity that if they wanted to teach from their classroom, they can do that, but we're not making it mandatory. I know that some districts in our state um, have made that mandatory for a couple of weeks or even up to a month. Um, we have a very good relationship with our union and our um, teachers. So we know that they are teaching from home. You know, they're following their schedule. So the trust is there, which, which has really helped us. So we have about, you know, it, it, it varies by from school to school. So we do have at least, you know, five or six teachers teaching from their classroom. Um, some have shared that, once they get into the swing of things, they might transition to teach from home um, more often, but right now it's really their decision. We do have our administrators and we have our office staff um, and our instructional assistants um, working from the school because we are still open for business. We need to ensure that there's somebody there to you know, welcome the parents that do show up with a question. And because we do distribute you know, um, meals on Mondays, and we have our instructional assistants to support with making copies, um, even um, being in breakout rooms through Zoom to ensure that the students are you know, being monitored at all times, just like we do with in-person. So we are maximizing our human resources, but at this point, teachers have the option. It's not mandatory. I'm really happy to hear that. I, I have, I don't know if it's my place to say it, but I have pretty strong feelings about that as a longtime teacher myself. And I just feel like, giving them the option further professionalizes education, which I think is crucially important. Uh, and I'm not going to go on a whole tirade about any school that doesn't decide to do that because maybe they have their reasons. Um, but giving people an option, there are going to be people who want to go to school because they have the resources or because it's choir or whatever the case is. But there are people like me in my role at work where, I mean, I, I, I am totally, you know, able to work from home and uh, and, and the leadership knows that. So I give you guys a lot of credit for that. I think that's really, really important. Um, is, it, is it accurate to say that almost all, if not all of your teachers are teaching at least some English learners? Absolutely. So with the number of English learners we have in our district, um, we say that 
you don't need necessarily an ESL endorsement if you're using best practice. Um, I'll default to Juan to give, give more specifics, but the answer, no doubt. <laughs> So Juan, the reason I ask is um, I'm curious about how, and I, my question was going to be, how do your teachers of English learners sort of feel right now? But I guess we could just say, how are your teachers feeling about supporting English learners at this point in the game? I mean, again, it may be too early to tell, but what's your kind of first inclination about how they're doing and, and maybe what their greatest areas of need are or what their greatest sort of um, accomplishments are so far? Like I said earlier, uh, it's all hands on deck. We, we do have about 30% uh, English learners in our district. So with a third of the district being uh, English learner, you're bound to have one in your classroom. Which I think is great, by the way. Yeah. And we're fortunate to have, you know, our dual language program. So we see it, uh, a lot of our students are uh, are in those programs. So we have our, our Washington Dual Language Academy that goes up to seventh grade this year. Uh, next year, we're, we're up to eighth grade. And that uh, our other buildings were up to fourth grade this year. So many of our English learners are in that uh, program, but we do have quite a, uh, quite a few that are in the gen ed uh, classroom. Um, and we've been very fortunate with the, with the department here to sponsor um, the ESL cohort. So we have a lot of ESL endorsed teachers. Um, and then I, I, have to, I have to say with elevation uh, in our district now, our teachers have access to student data. They're not waiting for me to deliver it. They can go in and look at uh, access scores. I was able to import uh, our map data as well. Um, so our, our teachers are, as always at the beginning of the school year, is getting to know your student, but uh, they have information at their fingertips. And I think that kind of eases uh, the feeling of what should I do with my students right now? And our ESL teachers, I know, are constantly checking in with, uh, with their students and with the teachers, just to touch base. Uh, if there's uh, language needs, you know, they're identifying them early on. Um, but I, I feel that um, what we have in place has, has been supporting. I know as the year goes on, uh, we can elaborate more on, on how things are going. But as of right now, I think we're in, in a good spot. We, we know there, there's challenges, but... Um, we have a great ESL team that uh, is out supporting our students. And what's really cool, um, Steve, is that our monolingual teachers or our gen ed teachers are so welcoming of our ESL bilingual resource teachers that, again, we started school on Monday. And because we do have to screen the students that have a second language spoken at home, new students to the district, um, our ESL teachers on Monday weren't necessarily pushing in, quote unquote, into their virtual lessons and they were asking, you know, it's like, am I gonna have an ESL teacher supporting our ELs? So we have our gen ed teachers advocating for our English language learners as well. That's great. I love that. And it's and it's just, I think it's, I really do think it's so great that every teacher has the, um, I think the, the, the benefit of having English learners and uh, certainly a wide variety of, uh, of students um, in their classes with different linguistic and, uh, um, you know, and content-driven uh, needs and assets. I think that's that's um, that's really important. Um, and I love it that you're that people are collaborating perhaps a little bit more now because of the situation. That's also a nice uh, silver lining. So, I'm curious if there has been have been any surprises so far, and if so, maybe what has been sort of the biggest surprise since we talked last uh, two weeks ago. 
So the biggest positive surprise is how fast we were able to distribute all these devices across the district. Again, we had our strategic plan that um, we were anticipating being a one-to-one -one district in school year 20, 21, 22. And what we were hoping to accomplish in two years, we were able to accomplish in three months. So that's a big positive surprise. And um, on the flip side, you know, the street of the devices was a huge success, but then, and we, again, have our how to do this, how to do that. However, our, my, my biggest surprise is a lot of our parents, regardless of age, you know, so I'm not talking about age here, regardless of um, how old they might be, are lacking some of those basic skills to support their children with the technology. Now, if you have a third through eighth graders, you know, I read an article not too long ago that said, yeah, they know how to use technology. Even little kindergartners how to use technology but are they using it to learn or for entertainment? Correct, so right. Very different purposes, right? And so that's been like my biggest surprise. I'm like, you know, um, it, they they struggle even to find the at symbol sometimes because of the emails. We have little kindergartners with their email this year because we want them to use Teams. Um, Zoom and Teams, we want to have uh, two different platforms in case one doesn't work. We have a backup. We just can't say, well, there's no school today because the platform's not working. So Again, being proactive instead of reactive. Um, so that's been my surprise. I like the ad symbol. What do you mean you can't find it? You know, just little things like that, but nothing major. Um, so I guess we've been very blessed and fortunate that um, as Juan and, you know, I keep saying it's all hands on deck. And so it's brought us together. I feel that I've spoken to the principals more in the last six months since the pandemic hit than probably my first two years here at district level. Any surprises, Juan, for you? <laughs> you know, I, I think uh, safety, right? We we uh, we want our our uh, our staff and our families to be safe. And I've been surprised on, on how uh, all of our families are coming in with their mask on. Even our kindergarten students are coming in with you with their mask on. It and I know it's the new norm. Um, but it's something that are they going to be six feet apart? Are they going to, what are they going to do when they're in here? Uh, some of the parents, you see them uh, take out their own hand sanitizer and uh, just the safety for everyone um, because it is important. Um, it, it's been there. So I'm happy to see that. That was a big surprise to me. It's nice to hear these stories from others um, as, as other districts get ready to approach the school year. And Maribel, I will tell you that you're not the only one who has mentioned to me that the at symbol uh, is a challenge for, for some. I did a podcast a while back about somebody who said they literally had to go to the family and say, here's how you do it so that you can communicate with me. So really, whatever it takes. And those surprises are surprises, but they should be taken seriously. And it sounds like you're taking steps to make sure that people know how to do it. And hey, that's a life skill, right? That's something that you could say that you've definitely taught someone uh, at this point. So uh, I want to wrap this up with with a question, sort of two questions in one. Um, and that is, uh, what do you feel like needs most of your attention right now as EL leaders? Um, and and what, what is kind of coming up in the next couple of weeks? Or what can we expect what do you anticipate the challenges being and hopefully some of the accomplishments as well um so the most attention i can answer that in two different ways so um for us as district level administrators it would be to ensure that we stay informed with any changes um or any guidance any changes in the guidance from our illinois state board of education um 
but the most attention when it comes to like our community is what we shared um, before, I'm ensuring that we are having those parent workshops or informational meetings to keep them informed so that they um, you know, can support their children more at home. Um, once we start map testing, of course, from the instructional side, um, we're gonna have to form groups to ensure that we're differentiating for whole group and small group instruction. So those are the three things. For us to stay informed of any changes um, in the guidance from ISBE, supporting our families and communities so that they can support their children at home as we progress through the school year. From an instructional standpoint, making sure that once we're done with map testing, that we regroup our students um, to ensure that we are differentiating our lessons in um, literacy and mathematics. That's kind of a nice summary of the whole conversation that we've had today from going from the general most, you know, most critical things to be able to learn to then actually, you know, diving into actually what we need to do to mitigate, you know, any challenges that uh, that may have arisen over this this time. Um, what what can we expect to, or I guess, you know, if you had a crystal ball, what do you think we'll be talking about? Or what do you hope to be talking about uh, next time we get together in two weeks? Well, in two weeks, um, it would be our third to our third week of instruction. So we will be again focusing on the academics, continuing with the SEL, but more towards the towards the academics. So I'm hoping that I will be able to share that um, all the technology glitches have been taken care of. That um, my teachers are feeling more comfortable uh, teaching virtually because it's not the same, um, obviously, um, and so. It's going to be, I think it's going to be more academic focused than it has been just now, like anticipating what needs our community has, what needs our students have, and how can we support our teachers and our school leaders. So, you know, my department is the Department of Curriculum and Instruction. So I think in two weeks from now, I'm going to be talking more about instruction versus systems and structures and support. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to chime in there too, Juan. Sure, and I think all of that's gonna fall into place. Everything Maribel just said, uh, we just have to remember to ensure that, uh, it's easy to say, but uh, to give our teachers uh, some TLC and, and some patience. Uh, we know things are not easy. Uh, we hear from other districts that you know, we're, we're all having challenges, but just a little bit of patience and understanding, I think uh, will help us get th that structure that we need and then uh, really jump into the instructional piece. Great. Well, I want to thank you both for taking the time again to sort of update us uh, on where you are uh, in your district. I'm really happy to hear, as we mentioned at the beginning, that uh, that cases at least seem to have leveled off and that you're off to what seems like a good start, despite a few glitches that are completely unavoidable. Um, and once again, I'll just say, you know, that your your passion for the students that you work with is uh, is is contagious and hopefully others can hear about this and either um, be positive about the fact that they're going back to school in a couple of weeks and it's been successful there or learn a few things as they are already sort of back about what, what you're doing. So congratulations on what seems to be a successful start. And I look forward to chatting with you all again on the third edition of the In This Together docu-series from Illinois um, in a couple of weeks. Thank, Thank you. you, Steve.